everyone. This is Elaine Lowe, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. My name is Greg Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 112 for September 22nd, 2020. Well, I do have to apologize. I did think that I was going to be restarting the podcast just after Labor Day. Work got in the way and, uh, and some other unforeseen circumstances, but we are back now with weekly episodes, and I'm going to do my absolute best to keep these weekly episodes going. Um, I do have a great interview to give you today with Elaine Lowe. She is a writer, actor, uh, short film director, feature writer, whole bunch of other stuff. Um, she's staffed on Gossip Girl and Dynasty. Uh, she was part of the um, HBO uh, writing fellowship. And um, so there's a lot of great stuff in the interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. And why don't we roll? Well, this is great. And I'm so pleased to be here with Elaine Lowe, film and TV writer, actor, short film director, who has written on such shows as Gossip Girl and Dynasty. How are you doing, Elaine? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And I, I really am fascinated about your story. Uh, first of all, your first acting credit was on Chuck, which I have a special interest in, of course, because my Chuck podcast. But um, you you sort of took a roundabout way to get into TV writing. And I want to learn all about it. Um, first, let's, let's start with your oranges. You, you were born in Singapore, grew up in Hong Kong and Taiwan, and then moved to Massachusetts. Uh, how old were you when you moved? I was about 12 years old. 12 years old. And then you ended up going to Brown for psychology and math, which um, were you pursuing a career in that and then shifted or, or what was that all about? That is a great question. Um, you know, I think I went to school like I was always a pretty good student. And so it always felt like, well, if you do this well, then you go here. And if you do that well, then you go there. And so because I went to an Ivy League school, I kind of thought, well, I should probably go to law school or business school. Um, but when I graduated, I was like, wait, I don't have to do those things. You know, it's, yeah. my life up until that point always seemed so linear. And mm. um, it seemed kind of crazy, though, to try one of those things that I didn't feel super passionately about and that um, was a lot of money and effort for something that I wasn't sure I really wanted to do. And mm. uh, a friend of mine at the time actually was like, well, the only thing you really seem to like doing a lot is being an actor. Like, why don't you try that? And I was like, nah, oh, like it never occurred to me that yeah. like you could actually do a, you could have a career in the arts, you mm. know, that was just not even on my radar, even though I loved performing, I loved watching, but I didn't, it didn't click, right? Mm. That like, oh, you could, you could like maybe make a living this way, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's why I studied psychology and math. And I thought I was going to go in a completely different direction until that one fateful conversation that changes your whole life. And, yeah. and then I, and then I was like, well, I shouldn't quit before I try. Right. Mm. So I decided to try and, um, I was an actor for a long time and it went well enough to keep me here and keep me trying, hmm. but it was not good enough to keep me satisfied or uh, paid right. <laughs> enough, you know? And so um, really I started writing, I think out of necessity and, and frankly selfish needs that I was like, hmm. I'm, not, I'm not getting the types of roles I want and maybe I should create my own. And you know, I was like, maybe I'm not good enough as an actor or maybe I've never been given a chance to do something that like, I really click with, you know, mm. so that's when I decided to write. And so how, how did you learn the craft uh, in terms of writing? I know you wrote a lot of short films. Uh, you entered a lot of contests and placed in a lot of contests. Actually, I should I should read some of these if you don't mind. Um, you were named on the coveted Young and Hungry list as one of the top 25 screenwriters to watch by the International Screenwriter Association. Um, you've had scripts placed in the world-renowned Page Awards, Silver Prize, Austin Film Festival three times, Final Draft Big Break in the top 10, Tracking Board Launchpad in the top 50, the ISA Grand Prize, and second round of Sundance Episodic Lab twice. So obviously you were entering a lot of these these contests. Tell me about that time. Sure. So um, a lot of people go, wow, you really became a writer very quickly. And the, <laughs> truth, the truth is it's a yes and no. Um, mm -hmm. I read so many scripts as an actor. Mm -hmm. And 
all qualities of scripts, right? Like yeah. the really terrible and the really amazing. Mm. And so I, and I watched a ton, a ton, a ton of TV because as an actor, you watch a lot of TV because when you audition for a show, you need to know the tone of the show, right? Like mm. you need to know like, what are they really going for here? So mm. all of those things that I did for an, as an actor for 15 years, frankly, was the beginning of my education as a writer. So mm. even though I've only been a writer a short amount of time, like, I banked all that knowledge going into it. So when I started writing, it actually felt like, oh, this is the thing that's been missing all these years, you know? Um, mm. It just really clicked for me kind of quickly. Um, and so, but I was scared to start writing. So I, that's why I wrote a lot of shorts and um, kind of built my way up from mm. shorter things to longer things as I gained confidence that like I could do it, you know? I mean, just to give you a, a a clue as to how much of not a writer I was. I was writing in Microsoft Word at the beginning when I was writing like, <laughs> short sketches, you know? And so I was like, did many of us. I was like, how do they center yeah. the, the dialogue? You know? Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's where I started. And uh, the contest, though, came about because a friend of mine who was also an actress and a writer, you know, turned writer, had started placing in some of them and I read her script and I thought it was really good. And I, you know, sometimes people read stuff and of others and they go, wow, that's good. I could never do that. But I mm. read stuff and I go, wow, that's great. I wonder if I can, you know, mm. like, cause we had similar backgrounds. She was an actress, like she didn't have a background in writing. And so I was like, I want, if she can do that, maybe I can do that. And so I started doing that and placing in the contest really, I, I would love to say that like, oh, I'm so confident and it doesn't matter what other people think. But frankly, we're in a business where it does matter what other people think. Mm. And so placing those contests helped me just kind of calibrate, like, how well am I doing? You know, mm. like, am I writing to a professional level? Like, are people responding to it? You know, because um, without that feedback, I only had feedback of people who knew me. And so even though sometimes people would be very honest of like, this is what I think you should change, for the most part, feedback was like, yeah, you're, you're, you're fine. Hmm. I was like, well, what does that mean? I don't know, you know? So the contest really helped me go, okay, look, like 9,000 people submitted this contest and I came up in, you know, the top 3%, like that feels pretty good, you hmm. know? And so uh, that's, that really helped me kind of get my sea legs as a yeah. writer. So, so tell me, so how many years are we talking about here that you were developing your craft and what was your writing habit like? I guess I started writing seriously like three or four years ago, you know, mm -hmm. but like I said, I had all that training of knowledge without doing, you know, the whole mm -hmm. time of acting. And yeah. so um, when I started writing, the first thing I did, so, so as an actor, I auditioned for the CBS Diversity Showcase. And the mm -hmm. way that showcase works at the time, they had the actors writing the sketches that would be performed for the showcase. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I did not get into that showcase about five times. <laughs> and they <laughs> were like, hey, you've auditioned so many times. Like, why don't you come be a writer for us? I honestly don't know why they asked me to. I feel very lucky because mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Because they were like, come be a writer. And I was like, I've never written anything. Uh -huh. But that was my gateway because it was sketch comedy and it was short. And so I, you know, cut my teeth there and I took some um, sketch classes at UCB that really taught me things that I think I inherently understood at, from mm. being a performer, but really helped me understand structure and like genre and, um, you know, what to do for each genre. Right. Mm. And so uh, that helped me get started also with my producing, because when I decided to produce some short films, I went back to some of those sketches that I originally wrote for um, the UCB classes. And um, so my process was really no process. Like just yeah. kind of like, how do I do this? Let me take a class. Like, let me let me try these short things. And mm. then really, um, as I said, I start, as I gained more confidence, I started to write longer things. And the first time I wrote a feature, I asked a friend to write it with me because I still wasn't like 100% sure. Mm. And, and that came about because my manager, who managed me as an actor, was like, I think you actually are a good writer and you should try this. And mm. he gave me the idea for the feature that we ended up writing. And so, yeah, and, and but that I was doing, you know, in between acting and in between my, my job that kept me alive, you know, and so mm. 
I, I would just write whenever I found time and a little bit of inspiration. You know, I, I mean, it was tough to, you know, some people are like, oh, I write eight hours a day. And I'm like, well, good for you. That's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Yeah. You know, um, I couldn't do that even if I had all the time and money in the world. Mm. Like I do need, I need time to think and like walk and just be like, what, what am I, what am I doing? I need a lot of time for that still. And, mm. but then when I write now, my process is like, okay, think, 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 write, um, write those thoughts down and uh, hone it into a, you know, first I, I, I usually write what I call loose thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, you know, this, it, it could be anything like this is a story about a woman who like fell asleep one day and then like woke up and she was, I don't know, on top of a volcano. I don't know. Right. <laughs> no one's going to steal that idea. So I feel fine saying that. Yeah. Um, but so I'll write my loose thoughts then I'll start to shape it into more of like beats of like, well, this happens in the beginning, this happens in the middle, this happens in the end. And then I'll shape that into a more formal outline and then I'll finally write, you know? And I have a friend who's a showrunner and a mentor to me. And he one day like looked at my prep. He was like, bring your outline to me. And I brought it. And he was, I don't even have to read that to know that's not enough, you know? And he was, <laughs> cause it was like three pages long. And he was like, mm-hmm. it should probably be like 15 pages long, you know? Oh, cause wow. it was for, a one hour um, drama pilot. And so, but I had never seen someone's outline before. So he sent me his and I was like, mm. oh, this is how you outline? You know, so there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know, but I was like trying to do. I just didn't know how to do it. And mm. so it, it is helpful to learn from others and see what they do and, you know, ask for help in that way. And so um, uh, I forget where I was going with the story, but I think what I wanted to say was, so all of those those steps along the way, oh, this this was the goal that he gave me, was that like writing is the reward. The mm. work is the thoughts and the outlining and the preparation. And then mm. like writing is the fun part, you know? Right. So that's kind of how I look at it now. So m- the bulk of my time in terms of process goes towards mm-hmm. preparation. And then I can write like pretty quickly when it comes time because I've done so much prep work up until mm. then. Yeah, a lot of people wonder in terms of um, when when you hear about the process in in a writer's room, it seems like you have to write the script so fast, and yet you've done all of that legwork work in the writer's room, and so the writing part um, should happen quickly, I, I would think. Yeah, so I'm still a pretty new writer in, when it comes to being in a writer's room, and so mm. I only have two experiences that I can talk to, which is Gossip Girl and Dynasty, and um, in Gossip Girl and in Dynasty for, for that matter, both, both of my rooms have been so supportive, so wonderful. And so we broke the whole story together. And mm. um, in Gossip Girl, the, the number two uh, person walked me through each scene. And then I felt so ready to write. And I, on wow. Dynasty, I'm actually about to write my first episode of Dynasty. And that process also still happens, although I think the showrunner is actually very hands-on for for dynasty and walking through and being like this is what i want and so Mm. when i wrote my gossip girl episode i said to one of the other writers i was like i feel like i'm transcribing right like i'm just like oh this is what they said okay you know because (laughs) because it was that developed in that detail and then you put on you know you put your own spin on it you have to figure out like the connections and stuff like that but for the most part a lot of that work is done but i do have friends who are in other types of rooms that don't have that same like community breaking uh, mm. as much as as I've been lucky enough to have. So I really love what I've been able to do in, in you know in the rooms that I've been in. It's been wonderful. Very cool. Yeah, when you have a good room like that, try to stay there. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick sponsor break, and when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the HBO Writers Program and also how you got staffed on those shows. DrivingFootage.com provides 4K, 9-angle driving plates for film and television. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second-unit photography. Visit DrivingFootage.com for details. AVGearGuy.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the LA area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, 
documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital so you can easily share with your friends and family. Not only can you scan prints as low as 25 cents, slides and negatives as low as 33 cents, and import videotapes as low as $7.99, mention the name of the TV Writer Podcast and you will get 10% off your order. Visit avgearguide.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. And we're back. Um, so I know that you were in the HBO Writers Program, and typically these fellowships are um, massive, massive, massive things for springboarding careers. Tell me about that program, how you landed the spot in the program, and then how that led to your first staff gig. Yeah, so you are not wrong that this was like a, it, just a game changer in my life. Um, I applied to it once before. I didn't even make it to the, the next round, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so this time, uh, well, so what happened was I decided to really like focus on my writing. And when I felt ready, I would reward myself by hiring a consultant, like mm -hmm. a coach, not a writing coach, but like a business coach. Mm -hmm. And that coach was Carol Kirshner, who I Oh, cool. Yeah. And so Carol, like, oh, I love her. I could not mm -hmm. speak more highly. And she yeah. helped me put together my application. She also read my script and um, let me know it was good enough to go forward. You know, like mm -hmm. she was like, this is definitely competitive, you know, um, if it, if your listeners listen to her stuff, I'm sure she talks about like having two blazing hot pilots uh, mm. or samples. And so she was like, yeah, this is blazing hot. And I was like, all right. So uh, <laughs> she helped me put everything together. And the way that it worked is I made it to the next round where they asked for a second script, sent that mm. in, made it to the next round where they did a phone call. Um, phone call was incredibly painful because you're talking to four people that you can't see and you've never met before. Oh, wow. And so... Um, I was like, oh my God, this feels so awkward, <laughs> but made it to the next round. Next round was uh, the in-person interview where they ask you to pitch three ideas for shows. Oh, wow. um, could not have expected it to be even more painful than the phone uh -huh. call. I mean, it was torture. Um, at some point, you know, I'm pitching my second idea and the head of the program goes, all right, yeah, we get it. You can move on to the next one. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was only like halfway through. And I was like, um, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but I think part of it for people who are applying to those programs, like part of it is also to see who you are and how you react to criticism. So hmm. it, they might not have liked the idea anyway, but I also yeah. think part of it was just to be like, what are you going to do? Right? Yeah. Like, that's this business. And so um, I, I think that part of the reason I got in was that I was like, all right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. And so I got in and, and uh, it was wonderful. And so the way the HBO one works is that it's a one week full time boot camp where you go into mm -hmm. HBO and, you know, you do various exercises and talking about writing, talking about yourself, like how, who you are as a writer and how you sell that to someone. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, and also they brought in so many amazing guests. When I did it, Chernobyl had just come out. They brought in Craig Mazin, like oh, wow. Craig Mazin, like, you know, reads my thing and gives me notes. Like, oh, wow. that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and um, a bunch of other guests like that, you know, because mm -hmm. they're HBO, they can do that. And, um, I was lucky that I got, staffed really quickly so I actually didn't even get to do a lot of the rest of the program because after that boot camp it met once a month hmm. um for ongoing you know guests and development and whatever and um I was staffed at that point wow. and so I'm sure your question is like like how do you get staffed and representation through the program so I'll, I'll tell you quickly what hmm. happened was because I got into the program my manager who um, I told you, like, ref me as an actor was also mm -hmm. now d helping me develop into a writer. And so he um, contacted Paradigm and mm -hmm. was just like, hey, I have this writer who just got into the HBO program. Do you want to read her script? And they were like, sure. And yeah. they did. And yeah. then they were like, yeah, we want to ref you. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, I mean, it really was like magic. You know, I, wow. I know it doesn't wow. happen like this for everyone, but the HBO program was the catalyst to mm -hmm. that. And Paradigm is the reason that I even got you know, I got that interview with the showrunner, that meeting for Gossip Girl. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the first job I ever 
met on and I got it and I was like, this doesn't even feel real. Wow. <laughs> you know? yeah. I like to think it's after 15 years of being rejected so many times as an actor that like a little bit of karma came back my way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool. And so talk about being in the room for, for the first time. What was that like? Um, it's hilarious because, you know, like I told you, I, when I first started writing, I was writing in Microsoft Word because I didn't even know what Final Draft was. Well, going into the room was kind of like that because mm. I never had been in a room before. And even, you know, a lot of a lot of writers work their way up. So even when they're not writing or contributing in that sense to the room they're in mm. there as assistants like they know how right. it works i had no idea so like i brought my computer and went into the room and everyone was like why do you have a computer like, <laughs> I, like how else do we like take yeah. notes or like write <laughs> like we're writers mm. right but they're like oh and like there's a writer's assistant who takes all those notes like i mean sim like simple things like that i had no idea what it was mm. like to be in the room you know but yeah. I think the good part is that I do, I, I like talking to people and figuring stuff out together. So I, I adjusted quickly, but it was like, the, just like even the logistical stuff that I was mm. like, how do we do this? Like, are we allowed to get up and go to the bathroom? Like get a snack? Or do we ask? <laughs> like, is it like class, you know, <laughs> like school? Yeah. Um, so that kind of stuff was just figuring out. But it, I mean, Gossip Girl was the probably the best job I could have as a first-time writer. It was so mm. supportive. People were wonderful. And so um, I, I think I just lucked out that I got to learn and make mistakes in a very supportive environment. Mm. And who was the showrunner? His name is uh, Josh Safran. Mm -hmm. He's done a bunch of other shows, including the original Gossip Girl, um, but also like Quantico. He had a show on Netflix that recently came out. Um, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on it. It's a musical show, soundtrack, uh, and then a, a bunch of other stuff. So he was, mm. he's a very uh, experienced showrunner, and I think he put together a really inclusive room, which was mm. awesome to be in. So uh, yeah, it was, just a, it was a great experience. Very cool. Very and cool. how long were you on that show? So I was on for a season, mm. and usually for... I didn't know this either, so that's why I'm going to talk about it, is that mm. um, most contracts tend to be three seasons. Mm. At their, at the, the option is at their discretion, right? Like, if they want you back, you have to go back. But if they don't want you back, too bad. Um, mm. And so, but Gossip Girl was just a one-season deal. And my mm. agent was like, like, this is amazing, because agents don't like you to be locked up, right? Like, mm. they want to be able to get you other better stuff and renegotiate the contract and stuff like that. And so my agent was like, this is amazing. Like we never get to see this. And, mm. um, I think it was because Gossip Girl is for HBO max, which hadn't launched yet. And they weren't really sure exactly what was going to happen. And mm. so I finished my season on Gossip Girl and then, um, the pandemic hit. And so Gossip Girl season one production got stopped and, mm. In the meantime, I was lucky enough to get staffed on Dynasty. And so what ended up happening, though, from what I understand, is Gossip Girl is actually back in the room to continue since production was stopped. They decided to write more, but I already had a new job. So I couldn't. Interesting. Okay. And then, because often you wouldn't be let go in that situation. Right. But since it was only a one season deal, it was mm. done. You yeah. know? So. Very cool. So talk about Dynasty. Uh, what Now, that has been through the pandemic um had like has it been a virtual room how's that what has that been like yeah uh, so i have a job where i talk with people every day that i've never met in person <laughs> <laughs> we are in a virtual room yeah. um so again thank god like i just think my lucky stars like dynasty is also so supportive so inclusive like mm -hmm. everyone has checked on me i'm not the only new writer there are two other new writers as well who came on this season mm -hmm. so it's nice they're both um levels above me but it's nice that there, there's three of us new people you mm. know so um everyone has been just beyond welcoming and like if you need anything just let me know you know but it's interesting to start a job virtually and not be able to have those side conversations that would normally mm. happen where you just like pop into someone's office and be like oh i like your shoes you know <laughs> like you a i can't see anyone's shoes but b yeah. there's no side there's no office right like we're all on zoom so whatever we say goes to everyone mm. you know like you can't have just a side conversation with someone yeah. um but in a way that's also 
I think like helped us communicate offline too, like with texting or emailing each other um, to get a little more personal or phone calls or whatever, you know, that, that don't take place in the room. Excuse me. So, uh, so how would you say your acting experience has helped you in the writer's room? I think what's helped the most is that I'm not scared to talk in front of people. And what I think a lot of writers don't know is that when you work in television, you're constantly talking in front of people, mm-hmm. right? Like you think like writers are like, Ooh, I'm writing by myself. But like in television, you're like, Hey everyone, this is my idea. I'm going to pitch it to you. Like I have to hear your feedback, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, as an actor, I think I'm pretty comfortable with that. Uh, mm-hmm. and not being afraid to like present an idea just the way I would present myself as an actor and the other thing is that i i literally i have no feelings left because (laughs) as an actor you know people will talk about what you look like what you sound like and in a negative way you know um you won't you won't get 99 percent of jobs and so i don't take that personally anymore and Mm. so when people would critique my writing you know i just go okay it's like what i said in the hbo thing where you're like all right like Mm. i get it sure um, and whereas I know other people, other friends of mine who are writers that take it very, very personally and you can see mm. them be like, no, look, you didn't understand that because this is, this is what's really happening. And I'm like, well, that's not what I read, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so now I, I think that that's a very, really helpful skill to be, to be like, all right, I get, I get what your criticism is. And that doesn't mean that I take all the criticism but it does mean that I can understand it and process it without it hurting my feelings and maybe to go deeper to go, okay, you're seeing this thing. I don't agree with it, but it means something. Maybe there's something I can do to fix it. You know, Mm. Uh, something's missing and maybe you're pointing out a detail, but it's really like a bigger idea that needs to happen or whatever, you know? So I think acting helps in that way. Hmm. So, so tell me about, um, so you've written a few, features now and you've you've written and directed shorts and and that kind of thing is that something that you plan to continue or was that just sort of a means to an end that's a great question i think shorts for the most part are done right Mm -hmm. like that was the means to an end that was practice that was getting notice you know um that was learning Mm -hmm. and features I certainly would continue to write features, um, you know, particularly in the downtime between seasons or Mm -hmm. jobs or whatever. And I do have a lot of ideas that I'm interested to explore that are more suited for feature world than TV world. Mm -hmm. So definitely open to continuing that avenue. And if I need to make a short to get a feature made, I would do that, you know. Mm. But I wouldn't make a short anymore just for the fun of it. Yeah. Well, and, who knows? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and you've you've also written several pilots, um, including ones that got that won or were placed in in screenwriting competitions. Um, talk about like, are you still developing? Uh, what what are you passionate about as you're developing? Yeah. So um, when you become a, a TV writer, for the most part, you're not allowed to develop television at the mm. beginning levels, right? And so yeah, at least until uh, you're a producer. Yeah, and so I can't, like, develop really right now, but I was able to carve some stuff out in in both the Gossip Girl and the Dynasty um, contracts, and what that Mm -hmm. means is that they go, you can't develop, but you can just develop this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I was able to carve out was a pilot or was a project that I was developing with Aaron Kaplan. Aaron Kaplan is, like, a huge TV producer, Mm -hmm. you know, has a million shows on TV, and um, that came through Paradigm. They made the introduction, Aaron met me and was like, let's make a TV show. And I was like, okay, it just, okay. Yeah, sure. That just happened. Okay, cool. So we developed that together where basically Mm -hmm. he had some IP that was like, you know, this is what we want to do. We think you're the writer for it. And Hmm. so, um, they gave me like a very bare bones. Like we want a thing at a place with these type of people, you know? Mm -hmm. And I took that and developed an idea where they would go, okay, we like this, but not that. And, and then, so we developed it, you know, basically to the point right before you would write a pilot. Mm -hmm. And so we knew all the characters, we knew the season arcs, we knew um, what the pilot would entail in broad strokes, you know, that kind of stuff. And then we took that out and pitched it to various companies. So this was my first time doing, through this process was mm-hmm. with Aaron Kaplan and oh, um, wow. yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah. so I learned a lot. We didn't sell it, but I, I 
am so glad we did it, you know, so mm. that now I know when I have my own stuff that I want to develop or maybe going back to Aaron or someone else that I can, I, I now know that process. But it was mm. funny because it's hard to find people to ask, like, how does this work? Yeah. You know, like there aren't a lot of articles or, you know, stuff like that on there. And so my biggest advice to anyone who's listening is like, if you're like me and I, cause I'm a planner, I want to know like each step along the way. So I know what to do properly. And mm-hmm. like, there is not, there isn't that. Right. <laughs> so you kind of just have to go with the flow and do, do what you can. And so even in that development process, they asked me to like write a pitch and I asked, a friend of mine who's a, you know, a, like a co-EP level and he was like, just write like a three page thing. And then I did that and they were like, oh no, we wanted something much longer than that. You know, and oh, I was no. like, oh, all right. You know, um, but it was in a way good because in the three page thing, they were still able to tell me what they liked and didn't like. Hmm. And then I took that and made it into like a 15 page thing, you know? And so th- our pitch ended up being, I think it was around 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would speak it to, to pitch it so the way, so that people know the way that it works basically is you write your pitch Mm. and then you present it. So again, as an actor, like that part of it was really easy for me. Um, I know, I know Shonda Rhimes tells the story of like selling Grey's Anatomy that she was just like reading it like, Oh my God, you know, cause she hates (laughs) talking, um, in front of people trying to sell something, you know, I mean, but it was so good that they still bought it anyway. So, so luckily if you're not a great pitcher, I think you can still sell your writing, but it helps to be able to speak persuasively in front of people. Mm. Very, very cool. Um, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about your volunteering because you've done quite a bit of it. Um, Operation Checks and Balances, uh, SAG-AFTRA, Los Angeles Local Board of Directors, on the Diversity Committee, Women's Committee, More Committee, Low Budget Committee. Um, talk about what this means to you and, and your passion for that. Sure. So um, I feel like I have benefited from the help of others. And that might be the direct help of someone reaching down and going like, hey, let me help pull you up. Like, I, you know, you're trying to do this. I'll read your script, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I also feel that I've received benefit from my unions, right? And like the all the work that has gone into protecting my rights as a worker. And mm-hmm. so it's important to me to give back. And yeah. that's why I served on the SAG um the SAG-AFTRA local board in Los Angeles for four years. And I did those various committees and, um, look like union service is sometimes boring. Um, sometimes annoying, (laughs) always educational and Mm -hmm. always beneficial, I think to a great number of people besides myself. And so, um, I highly recommend it. And I hope as I continue to be a writer to get involved with the WGA. Um, Mm. and then I think that also goes for, politically, you know, in our nation and that I am, I am so privileged in my life. Like how, how can I help others is, Mm. is the way I think about it. And so I'm very active that way. And so in terms of what you mentioned, Operation Checks and Balances, that was a political accountability group that I started with some friends of mine after the 2016 election. And, you know, it was a bunch of people who were like, wow, we've really been lucky this far. And, you know, we all thought we were informed. We all thought we did stuff like, oh, I, I made a phone call or I made, donated some money or whatever. And then we were like, wow, we really, we really haven't done enough. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to form this group to be accountable to each other. Um, and so the way what we do now, and, and we're still in existence, you know, four years later, is that mm-hmm. we, we tell each other what we did in the last 30 days and what we're going to do in the next 30 days, you mm-hmm. know, so... Um, we just had a meeting where we were lucky enough to get the, the co-founder of Indivisible, Leah mm-hmm. Greenberg. And so she came and talked to us and said, like, this is what you have to do. Like, these are the things that are most important. These are the things that will help change this election. And mm-hmm. so after she finished speaking, we all went around and said, all right, well, this is what I'm committing to doing, you know? And, like, I'm committing to making phone calls twice this month. I'm committed to texting five times a week, whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I'm doing personally is I just signed up to be a trainer with Field Team 6. And Field Mm -hmm. Team 6 is a um, proudly and legally partisan group that registers (laughs) uh, Democrats to vote. And so um, it was actually started by Jason Berlin, who is a TV writer in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. 
Um, I don't know him, but I'm, I, I drive. And so, um, so I'm going to be training people to make calls into Michigan um, registering people who have been purged from the voter list. And so um, a lot of people don't know that they've been purged wow. and they're not registered to vote. And so with Michigan in, in particular, also, you can't – it's not an automatic uh, mail-in ballot the way we have it in California. In California, mm -hmm. they're just sending them – they're sending them to us, and that's that, as long as you're registered to vote. In Michigan, not only do you have to be registered, you also have to apply for a mail-in ballot. So oh, that wow. adds time to the whole system. So that's why we're calling in to them and saying, like, hey, we can help you register online right now. It only takes three minutes. So I'm trying to – to multiply my effects, like not just be a caller, but mm. also like train people to do it so that I know like, okay, I might not be doing it today, but I got like 10 other people who are doing it, you know? And so, um, yeah, so that's my little plug. If anyone wants to join, <laughs> I'll be training people Sunday, every Sunday from now until the election, uh, from 11 to 1230, uh, Pacific time. It's an hour and a half, half an hour of training and one hour of calling. And then yeah. you Help us save save the world. <laughs> Very cool. I wish I could vote. I won't be a citizen yet by that time. Oh, okay. Yeah, working on it. Um, well, you can make calls if you want. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You don't and, have to be a citizen to make calls, and you don't. Yeah. And also, if any minors are out there listening, you you can still volunteer even if you're underage of voting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Very cool. And I will have the info about that in the description of the podcast so people can click and find out more about it. Awesome. Cool. So the last section here is just advice to greener writers. I, I mean, you haven't been doing the, the writer's room very long, but you've been in the industry a long time. Um, so, so what mistakes do you see people making around you, um, people that are breaking in, either in interviews, on the page, in the writer's room, um, or as you've been working your way as an actor, what, what, uh, what do you see people doing that they could do better? That's a great question. And, um, you know, it's tough to tell people what to do better. Cause some people like, you know, some people, one person can do it right. And one person can do the same action and it's not the same. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so this is what I think. Um, now that I have a little tiny smidgen of success, more people have been reaching out to me. And I'm totally fine with people reaching out to me. But it's a lot of strangers now. Whereas before I used to, you know, my friends would reach out to me because that's mm. who I knew and no one knew me. And so what I've found is that there is a great range of people and skill who reach out to me now. And I always mm -hmm. want to help people. But I think you need to know that you're already a pretty good writer if you're going to ask me to read your script, hmm. you know, because that takes a lot of time and effort from me because I don't just give it a cursory reading. Like I really am reading to try to help you. Hmm. But if it is not professional quality yet, you shouldn't waste your ask on me right now because hmm. I'm only going to read one thing of yours, you yeah. know? And so, um, that's what I would say is like, Ask your friends, ask your teachers, ask the people who know you and love you for that hard work of getting mm. you to be a better writer. Because then you can ask me or some other stranger, once mm. you're good, to help you move forward. Because yeah. I can only help you move forward if I think you're good, right? Mm. That like, I can't recommend you for a job if the script I read isn't good. I'm not going to give it to someone else, right? As mm. much as I might want to help this person yeah. so I, I think that's the important thing you know I had I met with a really prolific film writer TV mm. writer I mean like he's done everything and he said all right we I asked him to meet for coffee and that's something that I think people can do and it mm. doesn't take too much time and you can even do it on zoom or Skype or phone or whatever right like people don't even have to go anywhere right now mm. and a lot of people have a little extra time because of the pandemic that's like one of the weird yeah good things about it right now is that people have a little extra time and they're willing to help more. So you can say like, Hey, can I talk to you? That's a give that most people will try to give you if they can. Right. Mm. But then, so anyway, so I met this writer and we had a great conversation and he said, okay, I'll read your script, but send me your best one because if I don't like it, it's over. <laughs> you know, basically that was the thing. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, Oh God, what's my best one? You know? Yeah. Um, 
but that's where the contest kind of came in helpful that I mm. go, oh, well, this one placed uh, in these three contests and this one didn't place at all. So I'm not going to send that one. So mm. I say, like, if you're trying to figure out if you're good or not, like, that's where those contests come in handy. And if you're placing, I think you're probably, like, fairly close, you know. Mm. But if you're not placing, I think you probably need a little more work. Yeah. You know, and again, those contests, like it's all subjective. I don't know who's reading, you know, but that's that business, this business anyway. So mm -hmm. you might as well, you know, get some outside opinions before you waste your favor from me or from some showrunner or whatever, you know, yeah. and spend some money. Uh, paid consultants um, can evaluate scripts and, and you don't yeah. you're not wasting your golden tickets with uh, the real writers. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's tough because I get, you know, money, money tight for everyone um when you're trying to start start this thing you know mm -hmm. so it can be hard but it that's why i say like use your network first mm -hmm. once they think you're pretty good then you can expand do the contest do the paid consultants whatever you know and then you know once that's good then you then you can move forward hmm. yeah and uh, so, uh, an interviewer uh, interviewee that i was speaking to recently talked about how when your writing is good it will sell itself yeah, I hate that, and it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like my manager. I remember, you know, for a while, I was like, "We gotta get an agent. Gotta get an agent. Gotta get an mm -hmm. agent." And he's like, "Lane, when it's good enough, the agent will come." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "No, stupid. <laughs> I don't like that." <laughs> yeah, but it's true, you know. And um, so I was like, "All right, just put my head down and keep getting better as a writer." You know, I, mm -hmm. I have people who send me their very first script, and I'm Whoa. like, "Why would?" send me your very first script like you're probably not good really mm -hmm. until your sixth one maybe yeah. you know um and and so like that's some, that was something I had to learn too which is why I'm sharing it that like my my earlier scripts are not as good as my later scripts and there's mm -hmm. reason for that because yeah. I learned you know um and so I mean like I'm like they're still pretty good but <laughs> you know they could be better and so yeah. um that's something you like, yes, continue to write, continue to write, continue to write, get better, learn, listen to other people, read books, whatever. Like I, you know, I didn't go to film school, um, mm -hmm. but I learned a lot. So that's what other people can do. And, and a lot, and, and you got to read like as many scripts as you can. I think, mm -hmm. like I said, circling back to the beginning as an actor that I read, you know, I've read like 3000 scripts <laughs> or more. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I really, I really knew what a script looked like and felt like, like I could feel mm -hmm. it in my bones so that when I started writing, I knew what to do. Yeah. So what, so what, what do you know now that you wish you had known when you started? Mm, I wish I had known that it was easier than I thought it would be. Hmm. Meaning... People told me when I first started acting, which was like a million years ago, so honestly, like YouTube was just coming out. And mm. everyone's like, you gotta create your own content. You gotta create your own content. And I was like, no, I'm not going to. I don't want to, you know? Mm. And like, it took so long to, and to get to the point where I was like, I actually do wanna create my own content. But I think part of it was like, I was scared that it would be too hard, that I would fail, you know, that I wouldn't know how to do it, that I would waste my time, waste my money. But like, frankly, that was the thing that made all the difference in the world was mm. to just start doing it. And so that's what I mean about it being, it's not that hard. Like in my head, it's much harder to write a script than it is to actually write a script. It's the same mm. thing of going to the gym. Like it's much harder to think about going to the gym than to just like, once you work out, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I'm doing this, right? Yeah. Like it's the same thing. And I didn't know that when I was thinking about starting. And so... You know, I probably, I wasted a lot of time and nervous energy of just like, should I, should I, should I, can I, can I? And the answer is yes, you should, and yes, you can. Hmm. Very cool. Um, if you can think of one thing that helps you make it long-term in this business, what, what is it? <laughs> um, I laughed because I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> who knows if I'll make it? You know, I've yeah. been in the business a while, but I haven't been successful for a very long time, you know? Um, but, so, but I'll say, I'll say this. I mean, I mean, um, you seem to have a very positive attitude, even though what you described is, is as you're going through the acting, you didn't, 
necessarily get the biggest roles and you were doing short films and things and and I mean you had to enter a lot of contests before um, you finally hit on on the opportunities but you're very positive um, so talk about that like what what is it that keeps you positive through all this yeah I mean the COVID happened but you're very positive talk about that <laughs> yeah um <laughs> When I was like, why am I very positive? I don't know. It's just like dumb tenacity. Um, hmm. I think, you know, I'm not always positive. I think that's mm -hmm. the true answer. I'm happy today. You know why? I got mm -hmm. a job. I love it. Like, yeah, I'm talking to you. This is fun, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but there are times that it's terrible. And so mm -hmm. I guess I, I would say, like, it's really okay to feel that. And, mm -hmm. um there were a lot of times I wanted to give up. And I would say, honestly, like, honestly, it was every six months for like mm -hmm. 15 years that I was like, I think I got to give up. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of this. Like, so what, what got you through that? I didn't want to give up. Well, <laughs> 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 yep. Simple as it's that. Like, I know I have to give up. I don't want to give up. But you know what's interesting? Actually, mm -hmm. becoming a writer felt like I was giving up that I had failed as an actor mm. and I had to come to terms with that myself of just being like but I like this more I like writing more like what mm. it's not a problem to go do something that I prefer mm. so that's the other thing like look I want everyone who wants to be a writer to be a writer if that's what they want but if they find something they like more like by all means go do that like it mm. is okay to not do the thing that you set out to do. But mm. if you like the thing that you set out to do and you still want to do it, then like, yeah, you're going to have really hard, terrible times. And probably the only thing that keeps you in is like just that feeling of like, mm, I'm not going to stop. You know? um, yeah. But sometimes you hit a wall and you go, I do. I actually, I do want to stop because it doesn't feed me. It doesn't like help me. It doesn't make me feel better, you know? Mm. And acting didn't make me feel good anymore. Like, mm. even when I got an acting job, I was like, oh, I'm grateful for the job, but like, eh, you know, whereas writing doesn't feel that way, at least mm. not yet. And I hope it never does. But like yeah. right now, like getting Gossip Girl, getting Dynasty was like so exciting and like so happy, you know? So mm. I don't know. I, it's, it's a thing I can't really explain of like, why do you stay and how do you know? I, I think it's personal to everyone, but for mm. a while it was just like, <laughs> I didn't want my mom to be like, told you so, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So where do you see yourself five years, 10 years? Um, I would love to be a showrunner. I would love mm. to create my own shows, uh, and be in charge of them. Um, I, you know, so I did do, I, I created my own web series mm -hmm. and, um, called Doxed, and we won a whole bunch of awards and a whole bunch of festivals. It was very, very exciting. Cool. And um, and that was like my mini showrunner training, you know? Mm -hmm. I wrote it, I directed it, I starred in it, because um, I guess I have a really big ego. But, um, <laughs> so, but I was like, if I'm going to spend all this time and energy and money, I'm going to uh -huh. do all the things I want to do, you know? Yeah. And that's why I did it. And um, it was wonderful, and I, I love – the reason I did it is because I wanted to show that I could write – a series and granted it was mm. short like five to seven minute episodes at the longest but that i could tell a story episodically mm. because that's what i was trying to do was to get into television right yep. and so um the funny thing is like docs did not help me get any jobs any agents anything but what it did do it helped me elaine mm. the artist become better at what i was doing because i lived breathed like sweat that series for a year of my life you know mm. and um it helped me in all aspects of my creativity and my know-how and my skill. And so even though, like, even though we won all those awards, nothing came from that. Mm. Like, but, but it depends what you define as like, what do you get? Right. So like, yeah. did I get a job from it? No. Did I learn how to do my job better? Yes. You know? Mm. So anyway, so I want to be a showrunner and I want to create my own shows. And I think that my skill set is actually pretty attuned to what I think a good showrunner needs to do like do mm. i know everything no but no i'm not saying that but i think like i do know how to produce i do know how to manage people and i do know how to create stories you know and i think it would just be so awesome to get to to do my own stories you know that i want to mm. focus on and to make sure that i mean for me um inclusion is 
not just a catchy thing that everyone's into right now. Like, ooh, mm. diversity. Diversity is so hot. Frankly, I'm like, can I swear on the show? What's that? <laughs> can I swear? Uh, we're kind of PG. Okay, PG. Frankly, then, <laughs> I'm going to say people who talk about diversity just to talk about it, I mm. hate them. And it's sad. But you know what? It does still, even that type of diversity helps a little because it's growing the population of Mm. um, the types of people who get to do these jobs. And Mm. um, I want to be part of that. Just the way that I volunteer like, and and take responsibility for my community a little bit, I want Mm. to do that as a showrunner too and be like, hey, look, these are the types of shows that need to be told. You know, it's something like very, very important to me and not just... um, you know, not just like a passing phase. Hmm. Well, I can't think of a better place to end things up. Um, unless you have any other thoughts before we go. Mm, I'm like, I have no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect ending. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, this is really fun. Thank you. Um, I'm hmm. glad you told me not to swear. I didn't. And um, <laughs> I really love talking and I hope that, you know, hearing these type of things help other writers feel like I can do this, you know, because, mm. you know, that's where I started was just seeing someone else who wasn't a writer become a writer. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I think I can maybe do that, too. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, best of luck to you. I will watch for the uh, shows coming up to, to see your name in the credits as the showrunner. Can't wait. Thank you. And that was my interview with Elaine Lowe. I hope you enjoyed it. Watch for us next week as I bring an interview with Joel Thompson. Make sure to subscribe on all of the places you can find this podcast. Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, the tvwriterpodcast.com site, or also at scriptmag.com, and now also on Pandora. And if you're on Instagram, please follow at tvwriterpodcast. Please do follow me on Twitter, at Jones is my handle. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do it for as little as 25 cents per episode. You can find out how you can become a patron of the podcast or a sponsor of the podcast at tvwriterpodcast.com support. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.